All right. Today, my guest is David, and he is an, is it safe to say that you're an expert on cults? Ooh, uh, maybe not. Or is that, maybe not. All right. Maybe not, but I mean, um, I've been studying <clears throat> via, started out kind of via trolling Scientology, actually. Well, it started before that, but I've been like looking into cults and uh, cult-like groups, particularly how um, new sort of cults formed online. Oh yeah, the, that's, that's the, interesting. The rules, how the rules maybe for a cult online are different than if you go to a place for a cult. Mm-hmm. And so, but some of the control and demand aspects are still there. Um, just a little bit about myself. I'm a producer at Echoplex Media. We are um, the uh, scariest part of left Twitch, probably because we don't, <laughs> you know, we don't, we're not we're not doing political philosophy. We're uh, talking about extremism and control groups and the things that happen to people and the kinds of um, the kinds of communities that form around them. So it's, you know, a little bit scary. It's a good thing. We have a really good, solid community of uh, mostly kind, kind assholes, I suppose, that, that watch our shows. Hey, so, I um, guess if a, a kind assholes, it gotta be the best kind of assholes. <laughs> well, you know, if you're covering stuff that's like, you know, a little bit troubling, you gotta, you gotta have people around, you know, you can't have a bunch of asshole assholes in your community. Cause then it's just, it's just bad news for everybody. You know, I think my interest in cults probably maybe when I was a kid, I was like vaguely aware of the satanic panic. Um, I remember the Night Stalker and I was always kind of interested in that stuff. Like when I was a kid, I was probably just afraid of the Night Stalker, right? I mean, uh-huh. you got a name like the Night Stalker and so, he's floating around where you live. You're afraid of him. Refresh my memory. I'm not familiar with the Night Stalker. Oh, you know what? I don't remember his, his name. He was a... Uh, Northern California Bay Area was just all over the news. It was, you know how the news, you know, the news does this. It, something's going, yeah. something scary is going on. They cover it. I was just kind of using that as an example, but I was a kid then, you know. Um, I guess my interest in cults and control groups started when my friend ran off and joined the Scientology mothership when I was in my mid 20s. Oh, I was, man. Like, I was like, what is this thing? And then I found out, I was like, oh, this is bad. This is bad. <laughs> like, this is yeah, not yeah. great. So let's let's hop into that, man. I think that's a good way to start this conversation. So you said you had a friend join the Scientology mothership. Well, so I mean, it's sort of a, you know, sort of a, a joking way to talk about it. There is no spaceship. Yeah. yeah, at least not that we know of. They may have one. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe that's where all everybody's money's going. Yeah, I know they have some kind of compound, some kind of secretive compound where they have... I'm drawing a blank right now that the author who wrote Dianetics, what is his name again? L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard. They have his teachings engraved on like these steel plates or something like that. I think they might be gold. Gold plates. All right. And they're they're hidden in a, in the side of a mountain. They actually have a show about it because they have a 24-hour network that runs like on DirecTV, which is I think pretty fucking crazy. Um, wow. But they have a show called Inside Scientology, and one of the shows is actually about the process of engraving those things. They've mm-hmm. got it in the side of a mountain on like kind of like springs, sort of. So that if there's an earthquake or they set a nuclear blast, yeah, uh, <laughs> because of course everything's turned up to eleven with those fucking people. Um, yeah. You know, it would survive because of the. Sp- I'm not sure it's spring loaded, but it's sort of the idea, right? That it's it, it will move inside of it if there's like an earthquake or whatever. And so they they keep all that out there. I don't think that's at one of their main uh, 
places where they keep humans. I think that may be at a like a different location because they got all these different locations all over the country. They don't have but ten thousand members maybe in the world, but they sure have a lot of real estate. Yeah, yeah. It's like it combines two scary things. One is a corporation. You know, corporations they have too much power in our society, in my opinion. And then you combine a corporation with a religion. And it's like, it's an unholy abomination. And the fact that this has been allowed to go on for, for so long, I mean, you know, and it's dangerous is what it is. You know, why this cult is just allowed to proliferate and, you know, why, why is it allowed? You know, what? what is going on? Do they have leverage on people or? Um, you know, I think it's just the courts have dis- the courts have decided that it's their first amendment right as a you know religion you know we have uh congress shall enact no law respecting the establishment of a religion they put it first so like freedom of religion is kind of you know uh, a big deal here in the united states and you know for, for the most part it's super super good but there are obviously you know any any rights and freedoms you have are going to come with people that are going to abuse those rights and freedoms it's just this scientology is just the most extreme case where it's like the most obvious to people and the fact that it's a little bit weird kind of attracts people to it too. Like not, Uh not members, but it attracts interest to it. It attracts scrutiny. It attracts, attracts negative, you know, uh, they would call it bad press, I suppose. Uh So that's why people know about it, but there's all kinds of little, 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 um, they call them, you know, I think the, the, the way to talk about it is like new religious groups, right. Where they, because you, you can't just run around calling everything you think is weird a cult because then nothing is a cult. Um, exactly. But you know, they have, they have every right to form uh, new religious groups and you know, most of them are just weird, but you know, you get, you get too much power in the hands of too few people, like you were saying in a corporation and you know, any structure you get, you get a couple bad people near the top of that organization. And that organization is just going to be a bad organization. It's going to be real bad for the people on the bottom, no matter what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's true. So let's, uh, I know you said you had a friend that ran away and joined Scientology. I don't want to get too personal. Is that something you want to delve into? I can just say that um, we haven't really heard from her in nearly uh, 20 years. And, um, you know, a couple people tried to talk to her. I wasn't the one, right? I had a couple of my more maybe spiritual friends. We were all going to raves back then. So I knew a couple of people with like dreadlocks who thought that everything was energy. And I was like, oh, maybe they can help, right? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I wasn't the one, right? I'm not a very, I'm not spiritual at all, not religious. And I don't think I, you know, if, if she was going on what she thought was a spiritual journey, I certainly wasn't going to be able to help get her out because all she was going to hear from me was, oh, that's just, that's just another one of those edgy atheists or whatever. And so, you know, she, joined and i don't know really what happened to her after i hope she's out yeah i hope so too you know it seems to be pretty common you know i hear stories about people joining scientology and then just cutting off you know all their their friends and family and which it seems to be pretty common with cults they they cut you off from your support group so how do how does Scientology go about that? How do they go about cutting people off from family? Fairly explicitly, honestly. It's yeah. in their in some of their their writings. It's a policy called disconnection. 
<clears throat> where like if you are let's say let's say you and me are, are, are friends and we like to go out you know drinking or play pool or you know riding bikes or whatever it might be right and then you yeah. join the cult and i start telling you hey you know that that's a dangerous place you know i think they're going to take advantage of you take your money well that cult if they find out a little bit about me they're going to declare me a suppressive person and now you can't talk to me because i am you, your goal is to save the world through scientology and i am trying to stop you Mm. I see how they do it. They say save the world. You know, I've seen some of their media that they put out and they have this idea that they're trying to save the world. Like save the world from what exactly? What is it? Like what is what draws people to Scientology? So I can only like, you know, I know through through having, you know, been covering this, I've met a lot of former Scientologists and honestly, it's uh they're pretty manipulative so it depends uh some people go in there with drug problems right and mm-hmm. if their family got a little bit of money they go through there's a front group for a scientology called narconon which sounds a little bit like narcotics anonymous which it seems a little seems a little sneaky sneaky um yeah and so those people get in thinking they're going to drug rehab and then you know they're subjected to uh what i guess i would call torture um they're told to eat a bunch of like niacin and b vitamins and then sit in a sauna for many more hours than you any doctor would tell you to ever sit in a sauna and they just get their brain scrambled in there as they're you know as you're coming off like you're coming off a chemical dependency you're in you know it's tough i've luckily never had to deal with anything too serious myself but i you know you're coming off of something strong like benzodiazepine or you know cocaine methamphetamine and uh opiates or whatever and you're already like just from the withdrawals you're going to be not yourself not not living your best life like i said then they stuff you in a sauna for six or eight hours a day they're scrambling your brain like those you know like people say the military will break you down and build you back up Uh i think they're trying to do a version of that in in this but that's not that's not i don't think the most common way i think the most common way is people just are looking for something right like you don't know everything and so you you know, you're like, oh, what's this? And maybe you've never heard about it. And you go in and they give you a personality test and then they have give you a communication course or something and you give them like 20 bucks and you're like, oh, this seems all right. And then, you know, through talking to you, they find out maybe what's bothering you and then they just stick their thumb in whatever that is. Oh, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. All right, then. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. The screen just froze. But you were saying they find out what your issue is and they stick your thumb into it or they stick their thumb into it. Yeah. And then they, they call it help, right? Mm-hmm. They say that it's that, that they're helping you, but they're, you know, a lot of times they're, if you go to like auditing, this is where they, you've seen the pictures, right? Where they mm-hmm. hold the soup cans and they ask you questions and use that weird looking machine. Well, they're mm-hmm. taking a lot of notes on you. And so, you know, they, they just, they figure out what it is that you want and they try to tell you that they're giving it to you. Luckily it doesn't work on most people. Right. And it isn't that some people are stupid and some people are smart or some people are gullible. It's just like, what is bothering you? And you know, maybe who are you, who, who's talking to you and are they able to do it? Like, are they able to like make you think that they're helping you? Gotcha. What is the average life for a person in Scientology? Like, you know, I mean, so it depends. Um, there's people called public Scientologists, which just mm-hmm. means they go to like, it's almost like just going to church, right? 
you know, mm-hmm. people just go to church. Uh, you probably go a little more often maybe than the average churchgoer in, I don't know, mainline American Christianity or whatever. But you're, you have a job, you have friends, you, you do, you kind of live a normal life and you're a Scientologist. And, but those people are to some extent expected to recruit. Um, those are usually people with money or maybe people that the cult has determined are not going to be uh, in the second category, right? Where the, for whatever reason, maybe they don't think they'll get them to do it or they're a little too independent for the second category. And the second category is basically staff where you work there and it's your life. Um, and that's up to and including they have um, something called the Sea Org because L. Ron Hubbard, was he was obsessed with the Navy um, and the military. Um, and in, I don't know why, but he dressed everybody in the Sea Org like a bellhop, uh, not like a not like a Navy person. But that's, you know, the, the first one is you're on staff and that's your job. They don't pay you very well. You may live in Scientology housing. A higher level of control, right? Because not only not only is that your, your religion or whatever that you go to, but now it's your job. It's where your money comes from. And they're probably providing you housing because they sure ain't paying you enough to afford housing in um, anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then a step up from that is a thing called the Sea Org, where you have to sign that billion-year contract, and you live in like a basically like a barracks, and that's over in Clearwater, Florida, and that's like the highest level of control, where like you have to call everyone, sir, and you can't really go anywhere. If or if you go somewhere, it's because they told you to, and you're like in a line of them. You've seen those images from Clearwater, Florida, maybe where there's just lines of people from the cult of Scientology just walking down the street, almost like in formation. And you're like, well, that's that's a little creepy, isn't it? And that mm-hmm. that's those people. I'm sure there are other like distinctions within the organization, but those are like sort of the the different ways in which you can be a Scientologist, and it's definitely going to affect your uh, your day to day, whether or not you are under their thumb in that particular way. Here's the thing that gets me about Sea Org is that they make you sign that billion billion year contract. My question is, how do you know like when the billion years are up? You know, <laughs> That's a good question. like uh, <laughs> do they ever think about that? Like so I'm assuming that they believe in reincarnation. They believe that uh what like will be reborn and they'll seek out sea org in another life or something oh that's that's close enough yeah i think they think that you get like a 23 year i forget what number it's a random number of years that you get like a vacation in i don't know wherever you know i don't know where they think your your soul goes uh but you get a, you get a break right after you after you leave your your human body you get a break i don't yeah. know does somebody serve you cocktails somewhere i don't know <laughs> Probably not, because whatever their break, whatever their break is, you're probably doing slave labor on some, on, you know, in, in like the nineteenth dimension or something. Yeah, um, yeah, they they must believe in reincarnation, but I will say that um, it doesn't seem to be a big part of the the lore or of the like the spiritual beliefs. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. So, what does Sea Org do? do? Do they like travel the world? What what is it that they're doing on those boats? So that was originally what the Sea Org was. They had a boat called the Apollo, and that was where L. Ron Hubbard had mostly uh, teenage girls uh, on the boat with him. Uh, you know, these the cult the cult story. Come on, it always ends up with like sixteen yeah. year old girls. You can't. There's yeah, no cult always. story. If, if if it's an old dude at the top, it's always sixteen year old girls, right? It, the, that part always comes. So they were supposed to like take care of the boat, but now the Sea Org is bigger than that, and their new boat, the Free Winds, isn't really 
a workship so much is like some of the more there are people on it working, but it's also like a thing that they show off to some of their richer members. So they'll have like concerts and events and they'll have like, you know, the, the Sea Org people waiting on, you know, maybe not Tom Cruise specifically, but someone of that stature, like kind of hand and foot on the boat. So that mm-hmm. person who thinks that like, that's what their money's going. And they think that, you know, they're also probably shown a rosier than real picture of what's going on for the people who live on the boat. But the rest of the Sea Org actually lives in Clearwater, Florida. And uh, to be honest, you know, there's not a whole, like we've even, you know, I've talked to former Sea Org members and it's unclear what they do day to day, like what their job is other than to basically probably like maintenance on this building. So when you've interviewed former Sea Org people? Uh, Several. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do they say they do? Are they able to say, are they like, beholden to some kind of non-disclosure clause or something or luckily enough that billionaire contract isn't anything that's ever going to be enforced by a court of law right like Mm -hmm. (laughs) courts do some dumb dumb stuff but please so um they most of them talked about that they were once they entered the sea org the big thing is like let's say you're married right and you enter the sea org well now you're married on paper but you ain't never seeing your spouse anymore right <clears throat> they mostly talked about like the regimented day-to-day control that was going on there because that's sort of probably the thing that they remember most, right? If you're in, in that and you get out, you probably remember the control a lot more than you remember necessarily on Tuesdays. Do I scrub the toilets? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That, that's wild, man. I just, I guess I should be happy that, you know, I've come from a, a loving background and I don't get wrapped up in this kind of stuff but I just can't imagine somebody like being at the point in their life where they would sign uh, even though a billion year contract is ridiculous we know that I know that but what kind of person would do that and not realize that it's ridiculous that's what I'm trying to figure out like where do you have to be in life to get preyed upon by a cult well, by the time they sign this billion-year contract, I mean they've probably been in for a while. Do you know what I'm saying? They're, you don't. I see what you're saying. They don't. They don't lead with the billion-year contract. They lead with the personality test and you know a communication course where you know maybe even some of the information in the communication course is good for you. You know, they're, you can't. Yeah. You can't hook people in just by scaring the shit out of them. So, you know. So by the I think by the time most people. I enjoyed the Sea Org. They're already on staff and their life is Scientology. And they mm. <clears throat> most, I, I assume most of them believe they are going to save the world. Otherwise, like, w- why would they do that? Save the world from what? Um, they, they, one of their big things is um, they don't like psychiatry and the mental health field. That's one of the things. But they also think they can just prevent war. Just randomly, mm. you know, that's what you do from a, from a boat in a hotel, you stop all the wars. <laughs> you know, they need to go over to Ukraine. Then, <laughs> yeah. They, well, that's the, they, but that's the thing is, it doesn't have to make sense to you and me. And the fact that they're not doing it yet means that the people in the cult need to work harder. Oh, I see. You know what I'm saying? This is aspirational. They don't think Scientology has saved the world. They're they it's they believe that they can. Mm-hmm. How do they make money, Scientology? I mean, they're a billion-dollar corporation. 
you know, where does their money come from? Are the members giving over their paychecks to the corporation or? Yes, that. And, you know, they, a lot of their real estate they've had for a long time. So they were able to buy it at a, you know, more reasonable price. Um, they do get like the estimates of the amount of money that Tom Cruise has given them range from, you know, 10 to $150 million and up. So they got a couple, they got a couple big fish in there. That's wild, man. So speaking of Tom Cruise, I mean, he's the biggest man in Hollywood, you know, but he's in a cult and it's crazy how the mainstream media just kind of lets that go. You know, like he came out with the newest mission impossible, which was a good movie. Not going to lie. I saw it, but like, we just let it slide, you know? They want access to him bad enough. I bet he has, I bet he has contract. Maybe not a billionaire contract for the media, but before he takes an interview, I bet his agent sends him something, right? Yeah, yeah. So, what is his life like? What What do you know about him and his connection to Scientology? Uh, very little. If you've noticed, um, he's a pretty private guy compared to a lot of other public figures, right? You don't you don't hear about him partying. You, if, if he's dating somebody, maybe you hear about it, but you don't know if he's dating somebody right now. He stays away from the tabloids. But I presume that there's somebody or a group of people in Scientology whose job it is to uh, shield him from other stuff that's going on so that he doesn't necessarily know, right? That would yeah. be in their interest. Because <clears throat> you don't know if he would or he wouldn't, but you get a couple celebrities you know, that find out what's going on and they buck all of a sudden. Now, now as an organization like Scientology, you got a problem. And he's not the only celebrity that's connected to Scientology. There's a bunch of them. Like, I think Will Smith, he's connected to Scientology. They, that one's a little dicey. They, they used, uh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't even, because I don't, I don't understand it completely. I guess rumors are that they used some of the Scientology literature in a private school that they had uh, worked, worked on or worked with. Hmm. But I don't think they were, I don't think him and Jada were ever in. Like that they were ever, you know, going to services. They may have gone to one or two events because they knew people, but I don't think yeah. they were ever going in. Um, one of the one of the one of the things you'll notice if you watch their events, not a lot of color in the audience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Black people, we don't really get caught up in cults that believe in galactic federations and things like that, you know. <laughs> Well, and they, you know, they, the, the L. Ron Hubbard was just a giant racist piece of shit too. So it might be yeah. that also could, you know, filter down into even today's version of the cult where people I don't know even that, know actually. people, you know, maybe, maybe they get some black folks inside and then the people in there like, you know, are like, Hey, what's up homie. And then the black people are like, Oh, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't know that about L. Ron Hubbard. So he, he was a racist. What are some. Does he like is he on record saying horrible things about people, black people, or anything like that? Or he was a big fan of the the nation of South Africa during apartheid. That's for sure. Gotcha. <clears throat> you don't spend a lot of time over. You don't spend a lot of time over there as a rich white guy if you don't like what's going on. You got a lot of choices for places to hang out, right? Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> also said nice things about uh, Rhodesia when it was Rhodesia was a you know it was yeah. And the the thing about it is like. 
when he was writing fiction, that stuff's all public, but the stuff that's like internal, they kind of keep it covered up. So if there's anything internal that was maybe racist in a way that they don't want to put out there, they're just not going to put it out there. Exactly. So yeah. you only, you have his actions to go on, but again, you know, well, there are a lot of rich white guys at that time, but most of them didn't like, didn't hang out in South, South Africa is like one of their favorite places, you know, that's a choice. Yeah, exactly. It is. Now, one thing I heard, and I don't know if this is true, but they said L. Ron Hubbard was the most prolific writer of all time. Like he wrote the most books of any author. Is that true? It depends on what you consider to be a book, I suppose, because he was writing yeah. those pulp fiction novels and those like they were like male adventure kind of novels. You've seen you've seen yeah. the covers where it's like, you know, it might, it'd be like it'd be like a dude fighting a thousand crabs that are all the size of a dog or something. Right. You know what yeah, I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. He, he yeah. called are those books. If those are books, <laughs> then maybe he was the most he wrote the most words ever, I think they say, which is weird. That is weird. That is yeah. weird. So quantity, not quality. Gotcha. So what led him to create this? I know that's kind of a broad question, but was it just control? He's just an evil guy, which that's, yeah, it's said to say he was evil, but like, what is the story with the creation of this? I think it was money. Yeah. Because he got, you know, the, those people writing those kind of like Pulp Fiction novels, they were making more maybe than somebody doing the same thing would today because you can't make no money in media today. But, you know, he wanted to make money. And so he wrote this self-help book. People liked it. And he sort of started a cult around it. It seems like it happened kind of slow at first. Like there wasn't all these buildings. He, the, the, it was less leaning in on the control. There were uh, independent places, you know, doing Dianetics and stuff. And uh, at some point it became centralized. And I don't know the history on that and i don't think i've ever heard anybody like articulate it in like just a couple sentences i think it's actually pretty complicated yeah yeah i want to go back to the whole hollywood aspect of it so you know there's tom cruise but what other like actors are connected to this nancy cartwright voices bart simpson oh no not the simpsons <laughs> i didn't know that man i'm oh i might make <laughs> Shaka Khan. What? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> that one pissed me off too because I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of like I'm a big fan of like disco and funk music, and that one fucking pissed me. Yeah, I know. Off. Isaac Hayes was. Yeah, he's uh, he's in there. Yeah, um, you know John Travolta. Everybody knows about um, the chick Korea who recently passed away. A famous jazz musician was in there. Um, Beck's family was in there, but Beck himself says he was never really in there and he was like a, a famous musician so they would have mostly left him alone if he wanted to be left alone like yeah. he was given any money um you know a lot of um oh what's her um tommy davis's mom i forget uh this older lady she's really famous too and i can't believe i'm blanking out on her name um oh i mean kirsty alley before she passed away was a scientologist um mm. That's wild, man. And I mean, it's I'm like, missing so many. Like, uh, there's yeah, there's a it, lot it of seems people. Like yeah, it seems like it's a lot. I wonder. It's like, you know, if someone is young and they want a, a career in Hollywood, they want to be a famous actor. Is that something that they do? They seek out Scientology and say, you know, hey, can you make me famous? 
or something like that? Or do they seek out people that are already famous? Um, Probably both. I yeah. mean, I don't know if people go, hey, I'm going to go join a cult to get famous. But Scientology has like all these groups that don't call themselves Scientology. They offer acting classes, which are just recruiting. Mm-hmm. They're they're uh, a a guy that uh, that I interviewed. It wasn't during my interview, but recently he was talking on his YouTube channel about uh, how there was this house where all these kind of actors hung out, and it was like a Scientology house. And there would be Scientologists and non Scientologists, mostly young people who were interested in getting into acting, and that's. He said that's just the path that a lot of um, actors follow is that particular house just because like a cool place to be. And, you know, famous people might pop by. And so those people then through, I don't even know what mechanism, you know, because like the way he tells it all of a sudden he was at the Scientology Center. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, but I imagine that. You know, that being the case, they're then people who go to the that house or they have other events like acting classes, courses, seminars, people in the industry that are trying to break in are going to go to courses, seminars. There's around any industry, there's around the fringes of it, there's always a grift, right? And yeah. acting Scientology, I think, exists on that sort of fringy part where the grift is, where there's all these coaches who probably aren't going to help you get a role, but they're certainly going to take 500 bucks from you. Um, and I think Scientology kind of exists in that space. And what I think they do probably is figure out like who might be somebody down the road. And then they might love bomb that person, bring that person in and uh, have them be a public Scientologist again, where they're allowed to go out and do their acting. And they're not always at the Scientology center. I've, I've also heard that they have like the LAPD on their payroll. Is that true at all? Like uh, one thing I that heard might is be... that. <clears throat> That might be exaggerated and oversimplified, um, but the LAPD doesn't not like them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they have LA. They all have a police chief sometimes, or you know, a, you know, high-ranking sergeant at their events. Not like as because you know, cops show up at public events all the time as you know, security or whatever. But not like that. Like they'll be on stage speaking, so they're in with some of the the police forces. But it's not just LAPD. Uh, you know, uh, people who aren't, and I'm, you know, I'm from, Nor- I'm from the Bay, but um, people from down there know that the Hollywood has a different police, de- police department and they're up with the Hollywood police too. Probably, probably, a, probably a little more, probably a little more with the Hollywood PD because it's a smaller police department and Scientology really cares about Hollywood. Yeah. That's wild, man. So you said you've spoken to former members. How does somebody go about breaking free of Scientology? You know, it depends. I've the stories range from I just didn't go back and told them to go fuck themselves when they kept trying to call me to, you know, people who were on on staff or at one of the more secluded locations, like having to sneak off of the base. This was one lady I haven't interviewed her. Um, I feel like she's been through enough. I don't I don't need to re-traumatize her but she escaped by finding an unlocked trunk of a car while she was supposedly cleaning the parking lot and just waiting. Wow. So she just climbed into the trunk and just sat it out. Yeah. Wow. She, she had said that she had to find a, a new enough car that it had like a trunk roll, you know, the newer cars that so you can't get locked in the trunk. They got the trunk release inside the trunk. She had to yeah. find a new enough car that had that with the trunk open. 
and she'd been trying to do it over and over again. Another guy, like he was on one of, I think the base in Hemet, California that he had a motorcycle cause he ran errands and he just split on the motorcycle one day, just in the middle of the night, they got him back in and he split on the motorcycle again and he got out the second time. <laughs> oh man. And yeah, the amount of conditioning they have to put on people and to, to keep them in there. And like, there's so many secrets within this organization. One of them is the Shelly Miskovich, supposedly uh, the wife of the the CEO. Uh, of, David Miscavige, yeah. Yeah, David. And she just disappeared. Nobody's seen her in like a couple of decades, right? I think it's almost like 15 years, something like that. Maybe a little more. Yeah, I mean, nobody knows, um, you know, the best best speculation I've heard is they kind of Truman showed her where they, she's probably somewhere thinking she's saving the world. She's not right. She's a prisoner, but she doesn't know it. That's like probably what's like, because she was like a high ranking member. Right. So she was already, she was a true believer. So it doesn't take a lot of assumptions to think that maybe they harnessed that true belief and told her that she had an important mission to go on and then just stuck her somewhere. Like that's wild. man. I'm sorry for laughing about that. The woman's being held captive, but yeah, or maybe not see, even being held captive. She might, she might like it there. Right. She might have like a plate might be like a, a beautiful place that she just can't leave. Right. Yeah. That's so she was a real true believer. Yeah. Yeah. And she was the, she was in from the time that she was a kid. So was the, the leader, her husband, David Miscavige, they got married mm -hmm. pretty young. And um, yeah, I mean, Either that or she decided she wasn't a true believer and something else happened to her, which I hope, you know, I hope, hope, hope she's, hope they didn't do something. The thing is, like, the LAPD claims to have proof that she's alive because the people have filed missing reports on her and the LAPD claim, claims they have proof that she's alive. I don't know. LAPD, maybe not the most trustworthy organization to ever uh, inhabit this here planet, but the, you can't do anything after that, right? Because it's, if she is alive and she's not, and she's not complaining that she's been kidnapped and she has every right to hide or do whatever she wants to do, you know? Yeah, true. So David Miskovich, what's his story? You said he was raised in Scientology? Uh, very young. Yeah, something he said he cured his asthma. Hmm. Um, you know, people some some young people have asthma and as they grow older, it just goes away. I you know, I yeah, same most, here. Yeah, I think that's the most likely scenario there. You wait, a space alien didn't cure your asthma? Nah, man, just went away, you know. <laughs> or who knows? Maybe, maybe Zemu came into my uh, bedroom at night and put his hands on me and took it away. But you know, it's wild. So David Miskovich, he, he so he was raised in Scientology, and then he was he handpicked by L. Ron Hubbard to. Nobody was. Nobody actually. was. When L. Ron died, there was a power struggle. There were people who were like sort of the heir apparent, but. Mm -hmm. That's not how it shook out. Uh, David Miscavige, when L. Ron Hubbard started making crappy movies, he moved from making crappy books to making crappy movies. David Miscavige was a cameraman uh, pretty young when he was doing the camera work and doing like production work and stuff. So he was pretty close to L. Ron and knew a lot of people that were powerful in the organization. And so he was able to essentially, I, I could almost call it like a coup uh, against the heir apparents to the, to, the, to the throne or whatever they have, you know, the flying space chair. I don't know what they have. Um, 
and uh yeah he took it over actually it was a lot of a lot of hurt feelings but the people who were the heir parents got out so that's good for them right when that happened they they left i don't know if they were forced out or they left but my understanding is they're no longer scientologists so i think it's better to not be a scientologist than to be the head of scientology but it exactly. was exactly yeah he's a pretty aggressive guy um you know he's little but he's aggressive and it's not like it's not like people were willing to match his aggression there's no indication that he used violence or the threat of violence to gain control of scientology but i think it was more like uh manipulation he manipulated people and kind of got what he wanted which is not surprising now you know he's the leader of the cult now so how yeah, else manipulation yeah yeah manipulation is a uh, par for the course when you're a cult leader hey sorry to interrupt but are you looking to reach a dynamic and engaged audience of curious minds well look no further bright brains podcast is the perfect platform to showcase your business or product you'll be able to reach a diverse and intelligent audience and engage with listeners passionate about personal development, technology, and more. Elevate your brand through thought-provoking discussions. Don't miss this opportunity to promote your business on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the market. Contact us today to discuss advertising options and elevate your brand to the next level. Contact us at brightbrainspod at gmail.com to secure your advertising spot on Bright Brains today. Again, that's Bright Brains with a Z, pod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Now, back to the podcast. So, I want to kind of switch gears. You mentioned something. You said control group, yeah. right? What's the difference between a cult and a control group? So like, if I'm just talking to you at the bar, right. And I just met you, I'm going to be, I'd tell you I'm into cults, right. Because uh -huh. that's you, you're, most people are going to understand that. And they, they're asking about like what I do on my shows or whatever. But um, I think a better way to talk about it, if you're maybe if, if I was going to write a book or if I write, um, you know, something from my blog, which I should probably write for more, um, I would use maybe terms like control and demand groups just because it's it's more accurate and it covers more ground and it'll it, then you don't have to necessarily for a can you know a cult you usually think of something with a physical building whereas a demand and control group could be, just be a facebook group where yeah. everybody's just way too way too interconnected and way too up into everybody's business where language is controlled where you know they, they do some version of disconnection um, but the, you know, you can't really enforce it because it's on like in a Facebook group or something like that. So I think it just covers more ground and allows you to, or it allows me and I, you know, I'm not the one who came up with it or whatever, but it allows me to talk about similarities in uh, different groups and different organizations without just calling them all a cult and making everybody think of Scientology because not every control and demand group is like Scientology. And I think especially with all the media around Scientology, you say cult, they, people either think of that or like heaven's gate or like mm. the Jim Jones cult. And that's not, you know, those are the examples that made the news, but that's not every demand or control group. So what are some examples of demand and control groups that are, that you currently see now? I know you've mentioned earlier about social media 
And you also just mentioned about Facebook. So I'm assuming that there's something going on in the internet. And I think I might know, but what are some examples of things that you see? You know, um, some of those multi-level marketing schemes end up being high control, high demand groups. Once you get mm-hmm. in, right. You think yeah. you're going to, you know, if the joke is, Oh, girl boss or whatever. Right. But you know, uh-huh. you think you're going to go in, you're going to be your own boss. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're, you, it's not really a job so much where it becomes a lifestyle. And then if your friends don't want to join the MLM, the people in the MLM tell you that they're not supporting your business and that's not really controlling you, but they're certainly manipulating you into maybe not wanting to be around your friends that are like, Hey, why are you trying to sell me this weird cologne? I don't want this cologne. This cologne sucks. You smell like shit friend. Don't wear this cologne. <laughs> Like, or, you know, whatever it is, right. It's it, cause it could be anything. And so yeah. that's, and that's, that's an example. I think people understand, but I mean, there are, you know, you, you could have a control, a demand control group of two. It could be an abusive relationship, uh, even an abusive friendship where, yeah. so it's, you know, it's all encompassing. Um, and it just, ta- it's about well, control of some of any you know some combination of your your movement your association or the information you're allowed to access right you start you meet somebody where somebody else or some group is controlling who they're allowed to talk to what they're allowed to talk about and where they're allowed to get their information you 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 start thinking about what's going on with that person you just met yeah it feels like right now the country is kind of in this kind of culture war, right? And I feel like a lot of this left-wing and right-wing stuff is kind of taking on some kind of cult-like qualities to it, you know? I remember one time around the Donald Trump election, I turned into, I, t- I tuned into Alex Jones. This is the first time I had listened to him. And I was really weirded out by the people who would call in. They kind of like were looking to him as like some kind of like savior. And they were like, you know, you're the only one who can save us from the globalists. You know, we need you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And what what it shows me is that nowadays with the Internet, a person who has uh, charisma, they can get on there and they can like kind of spread their influence very easily. In fact, it's kind of interesting how we call these people influencers, right? And these right. influencers, they get on Twitter, they get on Twitch, uh, like Twitch is the big one. And you'll have these e-girls on Twitch who are just playing games and guys are just giving them their whole paychecks and things like that, you know? Yeah. And that's, there's a couple things going on there. One that I'm not, I'm not super, like, I don't super know a lot about like some of them are just using sex appeal to get money from uh, men who maybe um, don't get to hang out with women in real life who have sex appeal or whatever. But then mm-hmm. <clears throat> some of them do some, you know, sometimes they do some culty stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> they don't want, they don't, you know, if the guys are given some of the guys who are giving them the most money, they give extra attention to don't want them watching other channels, uh, things like that. I think like I'm probably more definitely well it's not probably more um i have a whole soundboard of alex jones he said right now i'm gonna take a big old dump on the ground and then i'm gonna throw it at you and he's someone's savior right (laughs) yeah (laughs) like he said you know famously he's like 
like I'm putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay. But I think that the, the, the fact that he's entertaining, you know, you and me, they were like, that's fucking ridiculous. Right. But the fact that he's entertaining like that, I think what happens is that uh, people like maybe not like me so much, but somebody like media matters or right wing watch or some of these media watchdog groups will clip him out saying these ridiculous things. And you and me might laugh at him, but then his fans are like, oh, look, they're going after you. They're going, they're taking you out of context. They're being very unfair to you with the chemicals in the water and the taking a dump on the ground and throwing it at people or whatever. And so it sort of allows them to build a bit of a persecution complex, which is, Uh again, a way to manipulate your audience, right? If you manipulate your audience into thinking you're being persecuted because people are taking your words and then criticizing you for it, it's going to make people maybe come in just a little bit do you know what i'm saying yeah yeah painting yourself as a victim seems to be a key part of it because if you're a victim you can say we're in this together we have to fight the oppressor we have to you know protect each other you know only i can save you from the oppressor and things like that and you know this social media thing it's really spreading a lot of craziness you know like i mentioned about the left wing and the right wing it seems like there's kind of this coat around donald trump you know people feel like donald trump like you know back to the victimization thing people feel like only donald trump can save them like he is the savior which is crazy because this guy only cares about himself but you know and maybe his daughter who he's got a little bit of a odd interest in yeah, yeah. Like, like or, you said before, old guys and young women, man, it's, you know, it's so. So what do you think about this and how do we go about like, like combating this I think kind all, of stuff? I think like on a structural level, I don't think I have the power really to combat mm-hmm. it. I, You know, I'm keep doing what I'm doing and trying to inform people the best I can about, you know, cults, conspiracy movements, um, you know, extremism. But I think like what what I think as individuals, I think it's really important to remain like grounded. If you, if you have, you know, some people unfortunately don't have contact with their family through no fault of their own. But if you do, you pick up that phone every once in a while, check it, check in on your people. Your friend starts acting a little check in on, yeah, check in on your people, especially if you're one of the more level-headed or maybe, I don't know, less emotional or less outwardly emotional people in your friend group. Maybe check in on your people. Check in on friends of friends who you met at a party if they seem to be wilding out. Check in on your sister if your sister seems to be having a hard time. You know, that stuff goes a long way. And I think a lot of times before people get, before people go down whatever rabbit hole it is, right, where they're, a lot of times it's like a hyper-focus on one thing that, that you know, in Scientology, the focus is on Scientology. With Alex Jones, the focus is on um, some dog whistly thing where they usually mean the Jews. Um, you know, and it, it's just a hyper focus. Oh, these motherfuckers are out to get me. Oh, and some motherfuckers actually are out to get you. This is, we don't live in a, we don't live in a kind world, but when you get hyper, well, I think just somebody, a friend taking the time is going to stop somebody or at least slow somebody down. So they have a little bit of time to think about, you know, what they're doing and, and who they're cutting out of their life and what they're focused on. But structurally that's, that's, you know, that's the question i and i don't have the answer for the for the structural stuff you know you don't want government stepping in and telling people what they can and can't say because that don't work 
You don't really want the the social media companies acting with a heavy hand because there's two sides of that. One, that heavy hand might smack the people it sh- does, shouldn't smack in the first place because they use a computer program basically to figure out who that hand's going to smack. And then two, like you said about the persecution complex, like we were talking about that, the heavy hand of social media does smack the right person, kicks them off, like it, and Alex Jones for his that Sandy Hook shit. Right, well, now he's been persecuted by Twitter and Facebook and you know, Twitch and YouTube and all these places. And so he that feeds into the persecution complex. So that's the big question. And I don't know if we're, I don't know if human beings are capable of as individuals or as groups of even answering that question. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I had people like sometimes like young people will come into my Twitch channel and they'll be there for a little while. They'll be like, you're the oldest doomer I've ever seen because like, because <laughs> I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what the structural answers to this are. And I don't think our, I think, I don't think our politics, not just the United States, but I don't think any free or mostly free countries, politics are capable of dealing with this. And when you do see more heavy handed, uh, more authoritarian countries try to deal with it, you're like, well, shit, I certainly don't want that. Like over in, over in Russia, you can't, they control what social media you can use in China. They control what social media you can use. Who the fuck knows what's going on in North Korea? Right. We don't yeah. want none of that. But like any of the attempts to put the brakes on this in in countries, you know, in, in Europe, the United States, um, Australia, you know, the the freer, freer, freer parts of Asia, it, it doesn't work. And so, yeah, uh, I think the best you can do is I hate to say this because I don't I don't like this is this neoliberal crap about it being about the individual. I think that's how a lot of how we got here. But I think we are where we are, and the best you can do is think about the people in your life and try to help them when you can. And you know, if you're if you're if your family is a churchy family, even if you're not a churchy person yourself, maybe check out that church once a month and see what's going on. Why? What, what's your mom being exposed to at the church? You know, your sister likes to go to the club or whatever. Go to the go to the club with your sister every once in a while, even if that's not your thing. Or if, you know, you you got a you got an uncle that you know, is watching too much YouTube, sit down with your uncle and see what the fuck your uncle's watching on YouTube, you know? <laughs> and it's, you know, that, that stuff seems like it's little, but you know, I think, I think luckily enough, and I don't, you know, I don't like really us versus them, but I do think that there are more of us who want to live in a good world where people have access to reliable information and can make decisions based on some version of reality, some version of their internal reality that matches with the outside world's reality. I think there's enough of us that if we like treat people with kindness and try to help people when they start to, when they start to stumble and start maybe falling down these rabbit holes, I think. It's like we froze up again. Hold on. You still there? Boy. Hey, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah. It looks like we got froze up yet, but. You, I got the gist of what you were saying. Piggybacking off of what you were saying, what are some warning signs, you know, people that should look out for? Because you were saying, check in on your friends and family. But, like, what what should we be looking for? You know, what are some glaring red signs that go, hey, this might be a cult or a control group? Um, I think if you get to the point where you think somebody might be in a cult, it might already be too late. I, mm. think, I think it's about prevention, right? I think... Um, like there is no like model for getting somebody out of a cult, right? We have, they used to have this deprogramming model where they'd kidnap you. Uh, that's kidnapping. 
don't kidnap anybody, right? <laughs> Even if they're in <laughs> yeah, the cult, you don't do it. Don't don't do a kidnapping. Don't hire anybody to do a kidnapping. You go into jail. Yeah. As well as well, you should. You should not conspire to kidnap anyone. Um, you know, the warnings the warning signs are going to be like a lot of times. The warning signs are going to be did something bad happen in their life, right? And can yeah. you? To the extent that you, you know, you may have bad shit going on in your own life and you might not be, um, you know, emotionally available to help this person at this time. But maybe if you're not, talk to somebody else, right? Be like, hey, mom, uh, you know, I'm going through it too. But right now, you know, sis, uh, my sister, you know, my sister, your daughter's having a rough time. You want to make sure you give her a call once a week. That kind of, It's because people, people don't just out of nowhere end up, you know, giving Alex Jones their money or joining uh, Scientology or ending up, you know, under the thumb of some influencer, something happens, right? They, they end up, it's, it's slow. They end up there somehow. Nobody wakes up and says, I'm going to join a cult today. So I think, you know, the warning signs are going to be different. You know, is somebody, you know, is your friend used to be into cycling and now, you, now their bikes over there catch, catching dust. We'd be like, Hey man, why don't you ride on your bike? What's up? You know, it's, are they, are they, I think an easy one probably is, are they losing interest in the things that you've known that they've always been interested in? You know, does this person collect vinyl and now that they ain't touching their record player and they've always got their earphones in from their phone. You're like, well, you're probably not listening to music, right? Cause you got a great vinyl collection over here. What are you listening to? Who's, who's barking in your ear? Um, you know, somebody yeah, likes yeah. to read, Somebody likes to read and now they're not reading anymore. Cause they're watching YouTube all the time. You're like, Hey friend, why aren't, why aren't you reading anymore? It's He's still there. It looks like we froze up again. I don't know what's happening, but we keep freezing up. Yeah, I don't know why we keep freezing up, man. I think I think Scientology is <laughs> listening in. I think they're messing with our service. You know, they I'm were, not sure. What's... <laughs> they were messing with my lights last night. My lights were flickering a little bit. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, do the the people who leave do they ever like fear like retribution? Is that something that happens? Not so much anymore. Scientology doesn't have enough people really to, to harass them. But, you know, uh, maybe in the 2000s, yeah, they had a lot more members back then. Yeah, people got stalked. They would hire the, the private investigators to look into you. They would do, they wouldn't try to hide it either. They'd do like noisy investigations so that you knew that they were investigating you. Yeah, that's wild, man. So you said they lost a lot of members? Yeah, I, they don't. They obviously don't publish member lists or whatever. But uh, estimates are that they have less than ten thousand members in the whole world right now. And why is that? It's just people have woken up to the fact that they're a cult. Well, some people aged out and died. Um, people can't grow your numbers if you can't recruit. Yeah, and they, it's pretty hard for them to recruit now, right? Because the everything that's been exposed about them on the internet. Exactly. I think uh, I kind of credit South Park with that as well. You know, I'll be honest with you. I didn't really know much about Scientology until South Park came on the scene and kind of exposed them, which is kind of goofy. But, hey, you know, it, they've done a good thing. That being said, what are some, like, other coats out there that are, you know, I don't think there's anything as big as Scientology, or maybe there is, what are some cults that people need to be looking out for? Well, the big one that just that went down recently, I, you've probably heard of Nexium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was wild. Keith Raniere and them. That was like a that was like a weird sex cult. Um, you know, the, after that got taken down, I think um, I think most people in their lives 
aren't going to be exposed to the sorts of traditional, and that's a weird word to use about a cult, right? But sort of what we traditionally think of as cults. I think that the the new the new model is on the internet, and so I don't know. There's Telegram groups that are like cults. There's Facebook groups that are like cults, and all those are private, so you have to get invited. And so it's like hard for me to really know. It takes you know you know if I wanted if I found something, I'm like, oh, this seems a little culty. It's going to take me a while to even get in right to their their online spaces because they're going to be pretty paranoid. So I think like I think people should be you know, as far as like inoculating yourself and your loved ones, I think it's, you know, it could come from anywhere, like really. And I think right now the big problem is like you were saying influencers, but it's, uh, we associate that mostly with women on Instagram. There's a lot of men on YouTube who are influencers too. Yeah. That, that masculinity influencer stuff where it's like, this yeah. is how you be a man. Yeah. That Andrew stuff. Tate. Yeah, yeah, that's Andrew Tate's a big one. Um, you know, there are much there are smaller ones too, though, where you know people have more direct access to the creator themselves. They form a, like a parasocial relationship with the creator. And I think, um, you know, I think when we use the word influencer, I think we need to make sure that we're not just thinking about uh, somebody selling uh, supplements or essential oil, like a woman, a, usually a pretty woman, selling essential oils or whatever on Instagram that we need to think of that more broadly. Anybody who has influence over a, a group of people is, is an influencer. And I think that's where, I think that's where people are uh, going now to get their cult for lack of a better way to talk about it. Where did you yeah. get your cult? Oh, I got it on Instagram. Oh, I got mine on YouTube. My cult came from TikTok. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, the social media has changed the game. I saw something now they have AI influencers, you know, like they're using AI to create these pretty women. And, you know, with that, they can create an infinite amount of content. So I think pretty soon we're going to have a cult that's following somebody that doesn't even exist. Yeah. Ooh, when, ooh, when that happens, when that happens, we got to get back together and talk about it, but then we'll have to make sure I'll have to somehow make sure that it's really you. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the other end. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting because pretty soon you you'll have a video and you'll be able to interact with that video and it's just a computer and AI simulation. It's we're getting it's we're living wild times, man. But yeah, that being sure. said Oh, do you remember that saying, May you live in interesting times? I think that now the new saying is Hey, you live in less interesting times. Like if you're wishing something <laughs> on somebody, right? You're like, I hope your future is better. I hope things get just a little less interesting. Yeah, I wish things would get a little less interesting. That being said, tell me a little bit about the Echo Media. Is that a company that you own? Did you create it? And um, uh, Yeah, it started. So we had a blog. It was called The Daily Echo. And I had this big ass apartment in uh, West Silicon Valley when I was uh, living a different life. And uh, my friend who was working on the blog with me, I was like, well, you should take a room here. You're, they're charging you too much rent at your other place. Take a room here. And so he started, you know, we'd have people over and you know, we were, most of us were DJs and musicians. So we'd be talking about music and hanging out. And he started calling the place the Echoplex. And so when we put up a website, we were just like, well, we need a name. We're bad at naming. This is Echoplex Media. The URL is available. And we started doing podcasts and stuff in 2015. Um, the first show was just like a weekly news roundup. The second show that, that we launched was actually about local music and all our friends that were in bands were coming on. We were interviewing them, talking to them about their band. 
sometimes they'd play a little acoustic or if they were if they were rappers they'd you know send us their tracks they'd flow a little bit over it or you know maybe they wouldn't perform at all and they'd just talk about their gigs that were coming up but i ended up i ended up on the dystopia beat um because the 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 news show ended up being more and more about that kind of stuff because i was interested in it so um when I was working full time, it was, you know, one or two shows a week, sometimes even skipping weeks because I was busy with work. And then um, then the pandemic hit and I was like, well, if I'm going to jump into this. Everybody's at home right now. So now's the time. And I started streaming every night and had to fill each night with content. So now we have a night about cults. Now we have a night about specifically conspiracy theories. Now we have a, 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 show, a night that's all about local news where we also cover like crazy people yelling at their uh, school board or their uh, board of supervisors, city council. We ended up having to ended up getting canceling the music show because it was just, I was headed in a specific direction and the music show made it, it was too much work basically when I was going in that direction. Um, most of the people that started w with us are uh, no longer on the project because they got jobs. Just me and mostly just me and my co-host for the intellectual dollar tree HK my co-host for um, Down Ballot, uh, he calls himself the councilman, which is a joke because he ran for city council and lost. Um, <laughs> and then my girl, Ashley, the media wench, is my co-host for, she comes on late night or just whenever because she's more deeply involved and helps me with the marketing and stuff. So yeah, it, it started as almost nothing and now it's what I do for a living. And um, it's, uh, it's hard, but rewarding. Yeah, sounds cool, man. All right, well, I'm definitely going to check it out. Echoplex Media, let the people know where they can go to find it. I know you mentioned about Twitch, and it's also a podcast as well, correct? Yeah, the best place to go is just our website, echoplexmedia.com. It's got links to everything. Um, you can find our merch, like this tinfoil hat I'm wearing right now. We've sold several mm -hmm. hundred of these. You can pick one of these up. You'd look, you'd look pretty good in this. We've got beanies, if that's your style. Um yeah, our website. Most people will just want to send you to their Instagram or whatever, but all that stuff's on our website. You can find our Twitter. I think I need to update the contact page to include like Blue Sky or Mastodon or whatever, but most of our stuff's there. And you can certainly find our schedule there. And uh, yeah, our podcasts are all on there. You've got links to Spotify and Apple or whatever. That's the, the easiest. Plus, there's a blog there that people should read. I our blog, I call it the Defamation Times because I ain't got nothing nice to say about anybody on the Defamation Times. Yeah, you know, it's uh, there's so much going on in the world, and that's part of the reason why I started this podcast, man. It's just there's so many issues that I feel the media doesn't talk about in enough detail, you know, and they kind of might dwell on something for like a week, and then it's they move on to something else, you know? And I kind of can't blame them because there's usually so much happening, you know? And I guess I just started this podcast just to to get the inside scoop on things. But the other thing is like investigative, investigative reporting is expensive. There was a story, I don't want to get into it, but I was trying to chase down a story starting in June and I just don't have the resources. So I ended up yeah. having to abandon it. And it's, you know, it's a pretty big deal, but you know, I don't, and I, you know, I just don't, don't have the money and very few people have the pockets to do that kind of stuff. And then once you, you know, if you get to the point where you got somebody who has the pockets to do that kind of stuff, well, guess what? The person with them, you remember that golden rule who has the gold makes the rules. 
Well, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the new paradigm you might exist under as a journalist if somebody's funding your project. So it's real hard to do I'm, investigative journalism. I'm curious, what was it? If you, Do you feel comfortable talking about what that story was? Or um, I'll just say that there is a cult leader in the anti-Scientology community. Gotcha. With, All right, where you, where I, I was, the name of the article that I'm not going to be able to write probably is you can take the, take the people out of the cult, but you can't take the cult out of the people. Damn. Yeah. It, it's wild, man. You know, it's everybody's looking for something. Everybody's looking for hope. And there's people out there who will pray on that, you know, and I guess we just kind of have to be on the lookout, you know, but this has been a great conversation, man. I really enjoy this. I learned a lot. I definitely would love to speak to you again, especially uh, about the international dark web, I think it's called. Or intellectual, intellectual, dark. intellectual dark web. Yeah. Yeah. That's our most popular show is about, it's called the intellectual dollar tree. It's obviously a play on the intellectual dark web. It's our, it's yeah. our most popular show. And it's uh, the main reason people write me nasty emails. Oh, man. All right. Well, hey, I would definitely like to get into that. But hey, this has been awesome. Thank you for coming on, David. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, too. Hey, no problem. Take it easy. Yep. All right. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining us for another enlightening conversation here on Bright Brains. I hope you've gained valuable insights and inspiration to fuel your own bright ideas. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe, rate, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform or however else you listen to this podcast. Also, we can be found on all major social media. Just type in Bright Brains with a Z. And remember, the brightest minds are those that never stop seeking knowledge.